All right, if you have your Bibles, go back to Colossians as we continue our series on how to know the will of God. Amen. You'll never be happy, you'll never be holy, and you'll never be fruitful until you know the will of God. When the Apostle Paul got saved, as I pointed out this morning, he had two great questions. I believe the two greatest questions that any man or woman or lady or child could ask, and that's, who art thou, and what would you have me to do? But in Colossians, we see a great prayer, and there's seven things that Paul prays for, and the top of the list is verse 9 and 10. If you'll stand in honor of the Word of God, we'll just read those two verses. It says, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and desire that you might be filled, Colossians now, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom, spiritual understanding, and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's go ahead and read verse 11. It says, strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering." with joyfulness. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the way you moved in my heart this morning. I'm thrilled to be in the will of God, and I am so concerned for those that are out of the will of God, because Lord, there's chastening out of the will of God in a severe way, and Lord, we pray for mercy for those that are out of the will of God. And we pray to God that people realize that their prayers are not answered unless they're in the perfect will of God. And so, Lord, we know it's very important. We know it's the top of the Apostle Paul's prayer list for the church at Colossia. And, Lord, we just pray to God that you would help us to always please you in the will of God. So help us, Lord, as we continue this message um, to realize how we can know the will of God and how we can walk in the will of God and how, Lord, your will is always best. And we'll put, thank you and praise you for everybody that's here listening and those who are listening by way of internet. And God, if there's one that's not in the perfect will of God tonight or this day, please, please convict them of the urgency to come back to the will of God before it's too late. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I really believe with all my heart that as Paul commended their faith, their love, and their hope in verse 4 and 5 of this first chapter, he goes on to say, I want to pray for you, and I only want to pray for you, but I want to, I've been praying for you uh, unceasingly. I've been praying for you, and I cease not to pray for you, that you'd be, that you would desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of the will of of the Lord, and that you'd have wisdom and spiritual understanding to, to know the will of God. So you can know the will of God. It's not some mystical thing. It's very, and I'll preach on this in just a minute. It's the only way to walk worthy of the Lord, and it's the only way to be fruitful. Um, and this afternoon I was studying, trying to figure out why I could not find that verse. I'll tell you why, because that verse was the verse. I just gave up on it before I got halfway through it. So I want to turn to Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, 
and make this thing right before I go on. It's talking about the sovereignty of the will of God. And I'll tell you what, this verse encourages me. When I read the first phrase, I said, that's not the verse. And so forgive me, sometimes uh, COVID will affect your brain. It really will. It affects your eyesight. And so we might as well blame it on that. Everything else is blamed on it. Say praise God, amen. But it's really probably not that. I want you to pray that just put a ban on South Africa travel. So that goes my trip this week. I wasn't going anyway. But uh, uh, I'm just praying that Chase and his fiance Ashley will get home. And when they get home, they'll let them get off the plane. Because they put, a, they put a, President Biden put a ban on because there's a new strand of virus. And I also pray for Mark and Amy and and all the ones that's working there, uh, that they will not get reinfected because they said this this virus, you can get reinfected. And so I just want to give you good news that this thing ain't over, but I'll tell you what, until then, we need to stay in the will of God, amen? And no matter where, where you're at or what you're doing, the will of God's best. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15 talks about the sovereignty of God. Thank you for that song, Harris Family, that's good. It says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there was a great voice in heaven saying, the kingdoms of the world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That's a very important verse on the sovereignty of God. A lot of people are so sovereign, believe God so sovereign, they predestined foreordained some people to go to hell called Calvinism. And that's a, that's a heresy, and it's just as bad as any other heresy. But I'll tell you, friend, this verse tells us ultimately, He's going to get all these kingdoms of the world and they're going to become his kingdoms. They're already his kingdom, but I'm going to tell you something. During the uh, great tribulation, Revelation 6 through 18, he's going to put them all under submission. And folks, there's going to be judgment upon this earth. And so you might think people are getting away from God and the nations are getting away from God like ours, but one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord, amen? So he's a sovereign God. He's still on the throne, and that encourages me tonight because there's a lot of things that are flat falling apart, amen, as far as morality is concerned and common sense. But sometimes we don't understand his sovereignty, and that's okay because his ways are above our ways. And folks, we need to just trust him and thank God for him, and even during this time where we don't understand. Then the scriptural will of God, I went over that last night, there's some absolute standards for living. It's called the Word of God, amen? And then that specific, special will of God, I mean, that's so so uh, blessed to know that God can lead you in all your decisions, who you marry, where you live. Isn't it great to see the will of God in your life? And I thought about this, and I, just, I do a lot of thinking lately about my life in retrospect. wonder if I'd have just missed the will of God and didn't go uh, uh, to work that day and miss Miss Connie as my dear wife, or maybe I didn't want to go to Claxton, Georgia, and maybe after two years I quit because the preacher totally went into adultery and I believe com committed murder of, of, of Miss Connie's best friend and one of my best friends, and I just got just fed up with the will of God, that and just got out of the will of God, backslid, and then didn't come here 43 years ago. I'd have missed such a blessing to be the pastor of Whitfield Baptist Church. And I thought, man, this is more important than I can ever imagine that you stay in the will of God and every day in the will of God is precious. And if you miss the will of God, you can mess up the future. 
and mess up the, uh, the children and mess up everything in your life because of one decision out of the will of God. You ought to pray about everything. And as we preach on Wednesday, you ought to thank God for everything, for it is the will of God concerning you. Amen. Amen. And so I think we ought to be very careful about every move in our life. Amen. You just don't walk out of this church and think it's just a little decision. It's a big decision. Amen. Amen. It might be the will of God for you to leave. Go ahead. Uh, I'm not, not ushering any of you out. And I'm not having a backdoor revival like a lot of tough preachers that ain't got no sense say. But I'll say this, friend. It's a very, very major decision where you go to church. Amen. It's a major decision uh, what, what that church is all about. Is it a contemporary a hoop, a hoopla or is it the word of God? Amen. Amen, the word of God. It's gotta be all based on the word of God. Right. Folks, listen, we sometimes make some big moves in our lives and we don't even pray about it. Amen, that's right. We ought to be careful. And um, here's mistakes. This is where I left off, um, number two. Mistakes made about knowing and doing the will of God. Number one, the will of God is not a road map, it's a relationship. Number two, God is not a celestial killjoy. As I preached this morning, there's some joy. I believe it's John 16, 24, says you can have your prayers answered and have much joy. The Bible says you can abide in him, he'll abide in his words abide in you, and you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Verse 7, John 15. Verse 8 says that you can have much fruit abiding in him. Fruit, fruit of holiness. That's not just do's and don'ts. It means that you're like Christ and full of his spirit. And it's the fruit of John, uh, Romans 6.22. talks about the fruit of holiness. There's a fruit of good works. There's a fruit of praise. All that's fruit. It's not manufactured results out of the will of God. Some people can pump a lot of things up, but it's about as shallow as two inches of water and about as deep. And folks, listen, there is wonderful joy in the good, perfect will of God. He leads us in the paths of life. We abide in him. We seek and find him, John 16, 24, and God answers prayer. I want you to think back just a second, maybe more than a second, a couple of minutes. Think about one great prayer God answered in your life. I wish we had times you'd just pop up and say, God answered this prayer. God answered this prayer. God answered this prayer. You needed grace when you said goodnight to daddy. You need grace when there's a tragedy. You need grace, and God gave you that grace or you wouldn't be here today. Think about that. That's the will of God, that you pray and not panic and be pitiful and pout and quit. Amen. But to pray and ask God for help. People think that God only has a will for certain people, number three. I want to tell you something. God's not a respecter of persons. Amen? If God's prejudiced, I don't have anything to do with it. And we shouldn't be prejudiced. Amen? We ought to love everybody. Amen? Come on now. I know this is deep south, but it's good preaching. Amen? We ought to love everybody. We ought to love sinners especially. And some people think, all oh, the will of God is just for evangelists, missionaries, deacons, preachers. No, it's for everybody. Everybody's important to God. He numbers the hairs on our head and subtracts some of them. Amen. People think that God reveals his will in some cataclysmic experience, number four. What am, what am I saying? Well, turn to First uh, Kings 19. It, it says it a lot better than I could. First Kings, verse 19. 
Everybody's looking for the sensational. You know what? A lot of people, they pump up the sensational, get you to come to their church. I'm not going to pump up nothing. I'm going to preach down, pray down the Holy Spirit and pray, preach up the Word of God and, and let it fall and let it land and let it bless and let it change lives. Change lives are enough for me. Amen? The glory of God's enough for me. But look at verse 11, um, 1 Kings chapter 19. The Bible says, and he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break the pieces of the rocks before the Lord. That's what everybody wants. They want some renting and, and mountain moving. But the Lord was not in the wind. He was not in the tornado. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And look at verse 12. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire, a still, small voice. A still, small voice. Now, friend, I'm going to tell you something. You're in trouble if you're listening for voices. If you're looking for signs and signals, the Bible says, adulterous and wicked nation, uh, people seek after a sign and seek after miracles. Folks, the greatest miracle you could ever have is the death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. But I want to tell you something, friend. A lot of people are still looking for an earthquake, for it to turn dark at 3 o'clock in the afternoon or 12 o'clock in the day. They're looking for the, uh, the fire and the wind and the signs and the signals. And I want to tell you something, friend. You better not live by the will of God in that because you might get the wrong signal and you might get the wrong sign. But I want to tell you something. You'll never go wrong trusting this book. Still, small voice. Folks, you ought to do this before you read your Bible. I know a lot of you are reading your Bible through again. Thank God for you. Ask God to speak to you personally when you read your Bible. Pray and say, Dear God, is there any principle, any truth any sin in my life that you want to point out while I read this book. We ought to pray for receptiveness. We ought to pray for openness. But we ought to pray that God would help us hear the still, small voice. Number five, people think the will of God is only for young people. The Bible says, restore the years of the locust that has eaten in Joel chapter 2, verse 35. He wants us to finish right. Folks, I want to tell you something. I fear this, and a lot of people have done this. They've, 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 they've finished wrong. The detriment of finishing wrong. You can do a lot of things and then, and then just backslide and, and blow everything you've accomplished and lose that reward. And so I don't think older people like myself, I don't feel old. Well, yeah, I do. Today I do. But uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm that old, and I'm not over the hill, and I'm not senile. I pray for my dear friend, Brother Jimmy Clark, because I want to come, have him come back and preach. But I want to tell you something, friend. You need to finish right. Because if you don't finish right, it just counsels everything in your life almost. It's very important that we finish right. That we realize it's the fourth quarter. Jesus is coming soon. And folks, God reveals his will to older people as well as younger people. Number six. The will of God, people think that God hides his will from you. I often say this when I'm witnessing to lost people. I often say, you know, the Lord wants to save you a lot more than you want to be saved. 
because he died for you. Don't wait on a feeling. Don't wait on a signal. By faith, trust him. He's paid it all. He's done it all. And he's willing for you to be saved. He's paid the price. And folks, people think that God hides his will from us. No, he reveals his will. And I'm going to give you about three or four ways how God provides guidance in your life for tonight's message. Number one, guidance is promised. Guidance is promised. Um, as a matter of fact, you get your heart right with God, uh, you'll find the will of God. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, the whole chapter is about uh, finding God and finding his will and paying the price to find his will. God reveals his will to those who want to know it and who are hungry for it. And folks who will uh, uh, live according to God's principles, he will reveal his will to you. Turn to Psalms 32 and look at verse 8 through 11. Psalms 32, verse 8 through 11. This is a topical series. I usually preach expository, but I've enjoyed this so much. This morning, I think I enjoyed preaching too much. I think I preached too long. Nobody said I didn't. I thought I was looking for, no, you didn't preach or preach on. You know, okay. That's what I thought. But anyway, do, uh, Psalms 32. And look at verse 8 through 11. It says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Amen. Boy, I'm getting blessed by just reading this. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule. You know what a mule's uh, known for? Stubbornness, which have no understanding whose mouths must be held in with a bit and a bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy will compass him about. I mean, surround you with his guidance and his presence. But look at verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. Ye righteous and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Folks, God says that he's hungry, he's longing for you to be led by him don't be like a stubborn horse. Don't be like a wild Comanche Indian. Man, submit to God and be ready and be willing to follow his will. Now, God is his provisional. I'm going to give you these things tonight. It's provisional. You know, there's uh, promises in the word of God, over 32,000 of them. But with every promise is a provision or a condition. You just can't go around playing spiritual roulette in the Bible and pointing at something and claiming it. You must want and live, and here's the conditions. You're not willing to do the will of God, then you're not going to know the will of God. Say amen right there. Why would he bother instructing you if you're not going to do anything with it, but listen to it? Folks, there's more than just going to church. It's living like a Christian in the will of God. Sometimes we say we're willing, but... Our minds are already made up. Come on, say amen. How many's got a mind that's already made up? Stubborn. I mean, just closed-minded. Reminded of this hobo. Heard about a man who was a vagabond and he would just go here and there and just a happy hobo. Just walking around. Somebody said, 
well, what plan do you have? He says, where do you travel? He said, I just go wherever I want to. And they said, suppose you were walking down the road and you met there a fork in the road. He said, how do you decide whether to go to the right or, to the, or decide to go to the left? Oh, he said, it doesn't make any difference to me. He said, I just have a stick and I just throw it up. Whatever way it lands, that's the way I go. He said, sometimes I have to throw it up about six or seven times before it makes lands in the right way. <laughs> and I'll say this, friend, that's about the way we pray, amen? We're going to keep on praying till we change God's mind. Friend, don't try to change God's mind. He needs to change your mind. He needs to change your heart. He needs to change your life. And folks, we must be willing. We cannot dictate to God like some grocer boy what we need and have a grocery list for our prayer list, we need to have a submissive spirit. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Number two, there needs to be some meekness. Meekness. Turn to Psalms 25 and verse 9, please. Psalms 25, verse 9. The Bible says this. The meek will, will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. You ought to circle that, praise God. The meek will he guide in judgment. And the meek will he teach his way. Do you really want to know the will of God? Meek is not weak. Meek is not thinking down on yourself. Moses was a meek man, but he wasn't a weak man. Meekness is not thinking down on yourself. It's just not thinking of yourself. It's thinking of him. Let me just say this. Meekness is teachable spirit. You ever, you ever met a fool that you couldn't, you couldn't teach a thing to? The Bible says well, don't waste your time. A scorner will just bring you shame. And folks, y'all have experienced that, and I've experienced that, where you tried and you tried and you tried and you tried to teach somebody. They need to have some meekness. And folks, that meekness is uh, close to the last point, but I'm going to tell you something. We need to be open to God. We need to be open. We're going to know and be guided by the will of God. We must be open. Romans 8, verse 14. How many love the word of God? Say amen. amen. Romans 8, verse 14. Look at this great chapter. You know, I'll tell you what, a lot of people are stuck out of the will of God and out of the will of God in I-ism. The devil never comes to you and says, Hey, do my will. You would never do the devil's will, but you'll do your will. And folks, a lot of times people uh, think they're doing God's will, but they're really just doing their will. And Romans chapter 7 is a wonderful chapter on uh, what the old nature can do in your life. And he says, um, he, said, he said, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, verse 18 of Romans 7, dwelleth no good thing, for, for to will is present with me, but how to perform it, that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, uh, that I would not, it is no more the I that do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law, and when I would be good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. And folks, the Bible says in verse 24, he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body? He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, verse 25, our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God. 
but with the flesh, the law of the sin. And he gets out of Romans 7 and gets in Romans 8, and over and over again, there's not the I that's mentioned 17 times from verse 15 to verse 25, but it's the Spirit, the Spirit. You ought to get out of Romans 7 and get into Romans 8. And folks, Romans 8, verse 14, the Bible says this, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Here's the trait of a son of God. Here's a trait of a real Christian. You're led by God. My sheep hear my voice and they do follow me. John chapter 10. And folks, one of the things that ought to be um, known about your life is that you do not make a move without the Holy Ghost and the Word of God confirming it. The Holy Spirit does not drive, does not shove. The Holy Spirit leads. Often when I'm in soul winning conversation, I say, listen, you can reject Christ because he is a gentleman and he's knocking at your heart's door, but I want to tell you something, he won't make you get saved. He gives you a free will. And I don't say Christians, he won't make you submit. He gives you a free will. But may I urge you with all sincerity, pray every day that God would keep you open, pliable, soft, to the soothing, leading, powerful word and spirit of God. It's a wonderful life. Have you ever met somebody hard-hearted? Not hard-headed. I've met a lot of people like that. My wife said I was sometimes. I get determined I'm just going to do it no matter what. Projects around the house, whatever. But folks, sometimes we get hard-hearted. And we don't even realize how callous we get towards God. How cold we get. We don't read our Bible for weeks and days. We don't have a song in our heart. We don't worship Him. We, we don't even come to church and we don't miss it when we're not here. I can't imagine not missing church when I'm not here. Folks, why do we need that quiet time every day? To listen to God. Prayer is not just a grocery list. It's letting God list in your life what's not right or pleasing to Him. It's listening. It's reading the Word of God and praying scripturally. And so it's openness. And number four, it's yieldingness. If I had one word to describe the victorious Christian life, it'd be yield. It's not wheeling and dealing, it's yielding. And I want to tell you what's so great about the Christian life, and I read this verse this morning, but I want to go back to Romans chapter 12. What is so great about the Christian life is you don't have to produce your own energy. You don't have, hey, you don't have to come up with your own plan. You know, some people are stressed out being Christians. God help us. I got to have my plan I got to get my power. I got to have my determination. No, friend, I want to tell you something. It's all the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's yielding to Him. Say amen. I'll never forget the first time I went to Florida, I was going to be a great surfer. And I was over on the Gulf Coast, so you don't be really a good surfer on the Gulf Coast or even on the East Coast. But I said, I think I can do it. And I remember I got out there, 
with my little old styrofoam board that I bought at Walgreens on the way down for $22.99 and I was going to be the greatest surfer in the world. And I kept missing the waves and missing the waves and missing the waves. And I'd see these other people and all of a sudden they'd get right in the middle of that wave and they'd go to shore and it was just effortless. And I'd be paddling, struggling, doing everything I could to be this great surfer. But I was missing the wave. And a lot of you are missing it. Because folks, the key is yielding your life. I beseech you, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body. That's yieldingness. It's your reasonable service. It's because of the mercies of God. There must be a yieldingness to God. Every day, in prayer, through the Word of God, through worship, you ought to be representing your Bible, or excuse me, your body, your mind, your spirit to God. There ought to be a presentation. Lily. Literally, spiritually, you ought to say, Lord, I'm ready. Whatever you want me to do today. A lot of times we don't pray until we get in trouble. You know, if we'd pray at the early every day, uh, we could hem in uh, his, his uh, will and we could uh, enjoy his mercies. and We wouldn't have to panic in our prayer life. Lord, help me out of this. But I want you to look at Romans chapter 6, just next door. I dwelt on Romans 12 a long time this morning. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is verse 13. And for some reason, every time I read this verse, I think of the man named Lazarus. And after he got resurrected from the dead, verse chapter 11 of John, in chapter 12, you find him sitting with Jesus. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't people want to come to church? What my question is, he resurrected you from the dead. And you're going to say, hey, Lord, I ain't got time to feast with you. I don't have time to sit with you. I don't have time to talk with you. I'm going to live my little life by myself out of the will of God. You'll find in chapter 12, he's right next to Jesus. (laughs) Amen. Gadarean maniac. I mean, he was streaking through a country graveyard without a lick of clothes on and a lick of sense. That's what the devil will do to you. You find him after he got saved and after he got rescued from the demons of hell, sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. (laughs) It's only your right mind that you yield to God after he saved you. Folks, after he redeemed you, after he found you, Ephesians 2, 2, dead in your sins and trespasses and brought you to life, it is only your reasonable service that it's his life, not yours. It's his will, not yours. Look at these verses. I'm, I'm glad I chased that rabbit. It needed it. It says, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. So you can, you can yield these eyes to sin, lust of the eyes. You can yield your ego to sin, pride of life. You think you're something. You think you've arrived. I'm going to tell you something. Without God, you can do nothing. Without his word, you are so confused. Without his church, you are so lonely. And folks, without his presence, you are so living beneath your privilege. 
Look at this. It says, Neither yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Folks, the Bible says you ought to yield as if you were raised from the dead. And spiritually speaking, John 5, 24, you pass from death into life when you're saved. It's a miracle. It's a miracle you're saved. Have you got over it? Well, I'll just come dragging in church and hope for the best. Hope he, hope, with those, hope with those out a good one because I'm bored silly of this Christian stuff. You need to get your heart right with God. Your appetite's in the wrong place. Your aspirations are going the wrong direction. You're out of the will of God. And I see the next verse, verse 14 says, For sin shall not have to... For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Isn't that wonderful? What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. There's freedom in the will of God, but there's not freedom to be who you want to be. It's freedom to be who you, who God wants you to be. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey. So some people say, well, I'm saved, and you obey the devil and obey the flesh every day. You better check up on your salvation. Well, I'm spirit-filled, and you live for yourself and live for the devil every day. You better check up. You might be running on empty. You might be filled with something else besides the spirit called self. Whether of sin and to death, or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Now listen to this. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Folks, we ought to yield our life as servants of righteousness. We ought to yield, yield everything. And so anytime any place, anywhere, and any cost, you ought to seek the will of God. You ought to yield to the, yield, the, the will of God with meekness and openness and humility. And thank God, friend, you can be, as we preached last Wednesday, thanking God for everything. For it is the will of God concerning you. How about that? Folks, what a divine command. First, it's difficult command to thank God for everything. How I many thank God for this pandemic? I don't think so. But the Bible says we ought to give thanks for everything. Look it up. First Thessalonians 5.18 sometime. It says thank God for everything. That's difficult. But I want to tell you something, friend. It's also divine because it says this is the will of God. Some folks complain they do not know the will of God. The problem is they don't want to practice the will of God. Scripture tells us plainly that the will of God is, is um, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, to abstain from fornication. That's the will of God. 
Do the will of God in areas that are plain and, and, and you'll discover the will of God that's not so plain. Step in the light God gives you, he'll give you more light. But if you don't step in the light God gives you, he's not going to give you any more light. That brings me to my last point tonight. The will of God, guidance, is promised. It's provisional. There must be some willingness, meekness, openness, yieldingness, but it's practical. It's practical. I'm going to tell you how practical it is. It's practical because the Word of God covers every area of your life. For instance, your relationships. The Bible says, come out from among them, be ye separate. What fellowship has darkness with light? Well, I don't know whether to date that boy or not. I'll tell you where you ought to date him or not. Is he saved and is he spiritual? It's summed up in the Word of God, amen? Uh, Hey, listen, relationships, it's just so clear in the Bible how you ought to love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husband's as unto the Lord. I mean, that's kind of clear, isn't it? Yeah, well, I don't want to do that. That's the problem. Uh, the word of God is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Every step and on down the road. Folks, relationships is covered in the Bible. Let me say this. The word of God covers finances. Finances. Turn to Malachi chapter 3. You want, to see some, you want to see all the financial training you need? It's found in Malachi. I'm going to start a series on Malachi in a couple of Sundays after I get finished with this Will of God series. But look at Malachi, last book of the Bible in the Old Testament. And look at verse 3. I'm going to show you how clear the Bible is, how practical the Bible is. It says, Will a man rob God? Look, verse 8. But you, wherein you have robbed thee in tithes and offerings. It says, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring in all the tithes in the storehouse. That's the local church, by the way. That there may be meat in my house, and prove me now, wherein, saith the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open you the windows of heaven. As he said, prove me, prove me. Malachi 3.10. Put me to the test. God invites you to do that. Listen to this. It says, I'll pour out windows of heaven and pour out blessings that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. He'll knock the devil off your back. He shall not be destroyed the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. You want to be a delightful Christian? Tithe. Obey. Amen? That's right. It's so practical. You say, well, I'm having trouble with my finances. Why don't you line up with the word of God and God will bless you. Don't rob God of tithes and offerings. Thank God this past year has been miraculous. Um, I thought, man, when the church started, church started closing down, how are we going to stay, pay the bills? Well, I'm going to tell you something. It's been a wonderful year. Because people know that whether they're in the house of God or not, they still need to send their tithes. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. And now I'll tell you something. God blesses a church. God blesses a church that tithes. I mean, we give to missionaries. Uh, About the second or third day of the year, a man knocked on the 
door here and says, uh, God's been good to my business. Here's a $20,000 check, put it in the offering. I said, glory to God, I'll take it. Amen. I mean, it's amazing that God would do something like that in a pandemic where a person don't even come to our church. But it's supposed because we put missionaries first and we, we give and when we give, God gives. And, and we're just, hey, listen, we're not some stagnant aquarium. We're to be a channel of God's blessing. It's so practical. God will give more through you than he will to you. Oh, no, I got I to gotta take this one talent, Matthew 25, remember? And I'm going to keep it because I know you are a hard God and I'm just going to keep this one little life. And the Bible says on the end of that parable, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth and you take that one talent and give it to the guy that's got 10 talents. You're losing your whole life because you're hoarding it to yourself. You should have put it to investment. That's not talking about money. That's talking about lifetime talent. Matthew 25, and right in the middle of that twice, because two people were faithful stewards of all that God gave them, he said, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things, I'll make you uh, rule over many, enter into the joy of the Lord. What's the joy of the Lord? It's the judgment seat of Christ where you're not ashamed and you're not empty-handed, but you give your crowns to Jesus because you've been faithful not just in finances, but in relationships. And then it's so practical. Let me give you one more. Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Back up to verse 24. And it talks about raiment. It talks about stature. It talks about health. It talks about things that you cannot buy. Hey, friend, I'm gonna tell you something. Some of y'all been through it. When you can't breathe, who do you call out to? When your heart skipping, who do you call out to? And I've had more than one person call me saying, Preacher, I think I'm dying. My own son thought that. Stephen thought he's dying. When I got it, I said, Oh my word, if it's as bad as all these other people, I am scared. I'm not I'm ready to, to die, but I don't want to die like that. I want to die on the battlefield. Die of a heart attack in a pulpit, wouldn't that be a good way to go? Scare my wife to death, but it'd be good for me, amen. Every breath's a blessing. And you never take, you don't, you, you don't appreciate your breath till you can't breathe. Some of, some of y'all been through that, say amen. Hey, you can't think. You, you thank God when your thoughts come back, say amen. You can't walk, but you thank God when you can get up. And folks, I don't know what God has to do, but Sometimes he has to take all the blessings away so we can understand how blessed we are. This nation's getting that, I'm afraid. But I want to tell you this remedy for it. Priorities. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. What things? The things you can't buy. And the things you desperately need like breath, heartbeat, healthy children. If you don't put God first, there's a curse upon you. There's a devourer that's on you. According to the Malachi chapter 3. But Matthew 6 puts it in New Testament terms. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and Christ. That's the will of God. So practical. Just put God first. What's it going to take? Faith. What's it going to take? Discipline. 
What's it going to take? Submission. When you don't feel like it, you just obey. Here's the key word. You just yield. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like giving my children a mission field. I don't feel like going to South Africa, but here I am. Use me. I'll never forget when God called me into full-time ministry. I hit the altar after F.M. Davis preached on that Romans 12, 1 and 2 that I'm stuck on all day today. He was dying of cancer. I mean dying. He got out of this deathbed to come and, up and, and preach at our church of revival. One night's all he preached. That's all I needed. He got up so pale, so weak, he'd hold on to the pulpit. And he read those two verses, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Then all of a sudden, he got red in the face. God energized him. God anointed him. And he preached with tears as a dying man to dying men. And I'm on the back row playing date the girl. Crazy. Hanging out with the teenagers, being cool. And I got, he got my attention. I didn't say F.M. Davis got my attention. God got my attention. And I remember I began to weep. And I was sitting with all these girls, being Mr. Cuhan Luke. Tough, athlete. God's gift to society, you know, I thought. And I remember I just started weeping. I was broken. I couldn't help it. I didn't care what they thought. I've been saved six years and done a bl- not much. And I remember I walked down that aisle. And my mother said I did this. She said, you didn't even kneel. You laid on the platform. Wayne, it was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I said, did I do that? You know, I was in the spirit, praise God, you know. Wasn't slain in the spirit, Catherine Kuma, but I was, I was, I was broken. And I remember I prayed one thing after that, after that message. Oh God, I present my body, my mind, my will, my career, my future to you. And this don't happen to everybody, but it happened to me. So help me. When I got home, a preacher in South Georgia called me. And said tonight about 8.30, we had a 100% call for you to be the assistant youth pastor of Gospel Baptist Temple. And we want you here January 27th. And I said, what? I said, God laid on our hearts to call you as the youth pastor. Wait a minute. I just graduated from Georgia State University. And I've got connections with because my uncle's in General Electric and he wants me to come be the executive executive training in Kisneke, New York or someplace up there where it's cold. And that's my plans. And then God reminded me what I prayed at that altar 30 minutes before. And I said, Barry, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'll be there. And I can't help but smile when I think about that night that I surrendered to be in full-time ministry. And folks, I'd have never been at this church. I'd never had the courage to start a church. 
you're not called, you better not try to preach it and you better not try to pastor it. And it all started that night that a dear man of God yielded his mind, will, and emotions in his body dying of cancer, F.M. Davis, and preached Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You may prove that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It's good. It's just good. It's just good. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. My question to you tonight is, are you going to let God lead you or you're going to rebel the rest of your life and say, no, no, thank you, Lord, I'll lead myself. Now, I'll go on Sunday morning, but God uses people. God uses the Spirit most of all. God uses the Word of God. He uses providence. There's no accidents in God's plan. When you're right with God, there's divine appointments. God closes doors, open doors, moves you across the United States of America. He knows what he's doing. We just have to submit. It's the providence of God. But it's always the Spirit of God. And sometimes it's people, wise counsel. I'll go over this later. It all is summed up in one word, wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is looking at this world through God's eyes. You know what's wise? Being in the will of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I feel like it's been more of a lesson tonight than a sermon, but I really don't care what you call it as long as we live it. But I do care if it's led by the Spirit, word-saturated, and preached with the right motive in love. God, help us to preach the truth in love. And the truth is, if we're out of the will of God, we're living beneath our God-given privilege. And the truth is, until we submit to the known will of God and the light that we have, you're not going to give us any more instructions. Lord, help us to trust and obey day by day, step by step, moment by moment. God, help us to get up in the morning presenting ourselves to the will of God, to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, how many need this message tonight? Say amen. I know I did. Maybe God's dealing with your heart about submitting more of your life to God's will. Maybe tonight again you're thinking about someone that's missing it I mean, somebody that's out of the will of God, they're searching for all kinds of remedies. They're searching for all kinds of peace, comfort, direction. They're just groping in the darkness of selfishness. You'd like to come pray for them at this time. The altar's already filling up. Why don't you come join them? Let's stand quietly to our feet. Come on. Boy, sometimes you just want to lay down on the altar and say, God, I'm available. That's all you got to pray. Lord, I'm available.